All right, everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson here. We got a week full of shows, baby. We had the Costos, Nick Costos, uh, on Monday. Coming up the rest of this week, just so you can you know, stay tuned, send your tweets at Will Brinson or at Pick 6 Pod. I, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate the, the reviews and the ratings on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever else you listen, means a lot. Really appreciate it. My bosses have noticed. So feel free to keep firing those away. Um, I think we're on TuneIn, Google Play, uh, iTunes, every everywhere you need to get your podcast. If you got any questions about the podcast, you got something you want us to do, like a segment or something of the day, mailbag maybe. Uh, my buddy Ryan hit me up. Said he wants a, some sort of mailbag on Friday. Maybe we'll do that. Hit me up on Twitter at Will Brinson. Uh, rest of the week. Here's the details. Dustin Fox coming up today. Dustin knows everything about the Browns. He's going to break down Cleveland's situation up top. So we'll talk a little more quarterback stuff. I know we're, I know we're heavy in the quarterback stuff, but it's interesting. Um, and then we'll dive into what the Browns have done this offseason. And then coming up the rest of the week on Wednesday, we're going to get Peter Schrager of the NFL Network. And on Thursday morning, We'll have a show with Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL Insider, where we're going to go over all the latest news, nuggets, notes from the NFL draft leading into the big event on Thursday. And then the plan with, uh, you know, people TBD right now, because I just don't know what the schedule after the draft is going to be. The plan is to do a breakdown of the first round that'll be up in your inbox on Friday morning, breakdown of the second and third round that'll be up in your inbox on Saturday morning, and then after that whole shebang ends on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to drag somebody onto this podcast and do a big winners and losers uh, portion for Sunday morning. So if you if you're going to be around doing yard work all weekend, hanging out, don't don't have time to watch the draft, have a family, you know, you have family you need to talk to, we'll have you covered on the draft. And then we're definitely going to talk to Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg about the fantasy implications of everybody that was taken. Joining me now is promised from 92.3 in Cleveland and the Athletic Cleveland uh buddy of the show, Dustin Fox. How you doing, man? Will, good to be with you, buddy. I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, okay, so this is going to be a Browns-centric show because you know the Browns as well as anyone. You cover the team closely, clearly, um, in, 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 on both print and audio, and you have a you have your finger on the pulse of the community there. I mean, let, I mean let's dive right in. If you're John Dorsey, what are you doing with one and four? Well, I think it's pretty apparent that at one, you're going to take a quarterback. You know, there, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. I just think that there's, um, you know, with all the teams behind them, there's too much risk involved with trying to take another position, especially considering how big of a need it, it is and how deep this quarterback class is, but also how different the quarterbacks are. Uh, so what I'm saying is the Browns have a chance to get the guy that they want, that they, they feel fits what they're looking to do. And so it'd be crazy to, to pass on a quarterback at one. Now, I think at pick four, uh, and we'll get into this in short time, but, uh, you know, a lot, a lot depends on what happens in front of them and with the quarterbacks that go, because I do think pick four is valuable for teams behind them, including Buffalo, which is probably the most likely suitor who would try to get up to, to pick four and, uh, to get themselves a quarterback. Cause I, I just can't imagine Buffalo Bills fans feel too confident going into the season with AJ McCarron as their starting quarterback without having some sort of heir apparent kind of behind him. Uh, so I, I think that it'll be fascinating to see how this thing plays out. I don't know who the Browns are going to take it one. I don't think anybody does except John Dorsey and maybe Elliot Wolf, but, 
Um, outside of those two guys, there's there's rumblings, there's things I've heard. You know, nothing has come directly from John Dorsey, but from people around him or people that think that they know what's going on kind of behind the scenes. So um, that's that's sort of where we're at. I, I think it's I think it's quarterback at one. I think at four, it's you know maybe maybe Bradley Chubb. That's sort of my dream scenario. The Browns get Chubb at four. And I know you're down in, in NC there too. You know, you know Chubb very well. I, I think he's just a, such a stud that uh, the Browns would, would be uh, would be in heaven to get him. I, yeah, he is. He is. I don't. I mean, he, look, he's not Joey Bosa. I don't, I don't think, but I think he's kind of close to Bosa in the sense of people are sort of selling him short about how athletic he is and his, uh-huh. and his ceiling as well. I mean, I don't remember but when Bosa in that draft, people were like, well, Bosa might have hit his ceiling. It's like he's 19 and <laughs> like he, yeah. he hasn't hit his ceiling and, and that became very clear. And I think the same thing with Chubb and his game is so complete all around and he really took a leap from junior year to senior year. I, I don't, I don't think that you can, if you're the Browns, take a chance on not getting your first pick at a quarterback and going with Chubb at one and then letting things play out, you know, where you just get the, the leftovers at four. I, I don't, I don't think that's a viable strategy because it would, the PR stuff would backfire in your face. But I mean, to me, Chubb is the best player in this draft. I've sort of come around, Dustin, in the last, like, I think it's like week and a half. I'm all in on Baker Mayfield. And I think, aren't you a Baker yeah. guy? And wouldn't you like to see yeah. him take Baker at one? So it's real. It's strange how I've sort of come to my conclusions on this, okay? Because I love Baker, and you know, we did a mock draft. Zach Jackson and I do a mock draft. Um, our third one comes out on Tuesday, and we go back and forth. So we alternate picks, right? So right. he gets the first pick, then I get the second pick, and then you know, we go back and forth. Well, each time we've done a different version of the mock draft, we switch, you know, odds and evens. And when I had in mock. 2.0, I, I picked Baker at one for the Browns. Part of it was because that's what I, I, I like Baker a lot. And you know, part of it is I think the Browns have some interest in him. Now this week on The Athletic, I also wrote, this is kind of contradictory to what I'm saying, but I said that Sam Darnold should be the pick for the Browns. Mm. Because I, I, a lot of it has to do with who the Browns are, where they're going, the history of the team, and the trying to sort of minimize the risk yeah. at the position. And I just think Darnold is probably the surest prospect in this draft. I mean, if you, if you were to bet who's going to be in the, in the league in 10 years and, you know, be a solid pro, I'd, I'd say Sam Darnold. And that, that, that doesn't say, that doesn't mean he can't get better or be one of the best quarterbacks, but I just think Darnold sort of checks all the boxes. But with that being said, I love Baker Mayfield. He's my favorite quarterback in this draft. Um, if the Browns draft him, which there's a chance they could. I'd heard over the weekend that there was some serious buzz with Baker to the Browns. I heard last week on Thursday, I created a little bit of buzz on Twitter because I said I'd heard it was down to Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield for the Browns. Sort of surprising. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think Baker is, is, um, is a hell of a player. He's polarizing and some people don't like that, especially in Cleveland because of what happened with Johnny Manziel. And I think fans here are sort of snake bitten by what happened with, with Johnny and, and feel like the comparisons there are, uh, so similar that they're just scared of it. And I, you know, I, I'll say this. I mean, there's some comparisons, but the ones that matter, uh, I don't think, um, I, don't, I don't think are there. And I think there's such a different, there's so much, so different on the field. You know, they're just not the same quarterback as, or the same quarterback on tape. Um, now they had, they're both, both very, you know, outgoing, confident guys who are a little bit short. And, you know, white and played, you know, in the sort of similar system and won high trophies. But I think that's sort of where the, 
the comparison starts and stops. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Baker too. You think you think he's in play of one? I mean, what do you? I don't. I mean, he talks people too. Yeah, I mean, I think he has to. I I think you're right. I, and I don't. Let me ask you one question before I answer that. Do you think John Dorsey knows who he's going to take? Um. I would think he better at this point have a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, after after all of this evaluation, all this analysis and you know, talking to people and visiting and workouts and everything, I would have to think he's got a pretty damn good idea who he's going to take. And if he doesn't, then I, that worries me. Well, now, he may not be 100%. I mean, he's 90% on a certain guy, and there could be some more stuff, conversations, and hey, bounce some stuff off the coaches or some other people in the building and try to figure this thing out and, and get get it to be 100. But if he, if he doesn't feel pretty strongly as to where he's going right now, I, I, I'd say that's a little bit alarming. Yeah, no, it would be a red flag. I, I'm just curious because, I mean, the, the way I feel about it, and I mean, and I think this is – kind of human nature and you you express it a little bit too in the way you describe sam darnold because if if i'm if i'm john dorsey and i'm trying to do the best thing for you're trying to do the best thing for the browns and i I get you know we're we're gonna do what's good for this organization but you're also trying to not get fired and to me excuse me to me the two guys who will get you fired in this draft are Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. And not because I yeah. think Baker won't be good, but if he goes down, he's going to go down in flames. And yeah. if Josh Allen goes down, like, like I don't think the Jets can take Josh Allen. They, I mean, they might, but if I'm Mike McCagnin and I took, took Christian Hackenberg two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, then I can't, I don't, I, I don't know that I could pull the trigger on Josh Allen because as Dan Hans has said on this podcast, you know, Jets fans sort of have PTSD from it. And yeah. So I think I think it's a tricky thing to balance. I, ultimately, I would guess that Dorsey goes with his gut. I thought it was Nate, uh, Nathan Zagura pointed out today, I believe, that it, he thinks it's between Darnold and Mayfield, and that the Allen stuff was always a smokescreen, which is a very elaborate smokescreen, but if it, it but also a very well done smokescreen. Although yeah. I'm not entirely sure what purpose it served. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean. Listen, I, I'd heard last week from two different people um, at two different ends of the country <laughs> who have, you know really? who don't know each other, and it's the same thing. I, I heard that the coaches were not sold on Sam Darnold, and and that was surprising to me that they would not be, you know, interested. I shouldn't say interested; that they just weren't as sold on him as they are the other guys, and and that and that tells me tells me something. So. Um, I don't know that he's out of the, out of out of the mix. I mean, I still think there's a decent chance he, he's the picket one. But the Allen stuff, I just think it would be so elaborate. I don't get why, 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 you know, fake this stuff or put this stuff out there if it's not real. Um, the only with, with well, the, the only goal would be, and if it if this was the goal, and I guess you know, congratulations, John Dorsey, it worked. But I, th- but I think it happened after the trade would be to get somebody to trade up to three with the Colts, so that way you know, you know, like once the Jets moved up, if you take a quarterback at one, you know, you were going to get either Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb at four. You know, barring because yeah. if nobody's trading up with the Giants to get one of those guys, so, I mean, I guess that's the the goal. But it, it feels like all the Josh Allen stuff really started to leak out after that trade. But maybe maybe it didn't even come from the Brown side of stuff. Maybe it came from people in you know with the Jets who are I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just insane. Your your colleague, or I guess our colleague at CBS too, technically, uh, Daryl Ryder had um, uh, something today 
that he tweeted that I saw earlier. And this is, I, I love this stuff because it's, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, what, right or wrong or whatever, you know, whatever he's hearing, but, um, it, that the idea that the Browns might go Chubb and Barkley at one and four and then like swoop back in and grab Lamar Jackson, that fascinates me from just from a game, like, that's just John Dorsey playing chicken with the entire or like world. And I kind of love the idea, but I, I would assume as someone who like follows the Browns and likes the Browns, you don't want to see that happen. I just don't know what that, what purpose that serves. I mean, he must really love Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I think that he is, is, is the guy. And, and oh, by the way, you're not guaranteed to get him. No. You know, I mean, we, you could say we're going to take Barkley at one and shove at four. Which leaves the, the Giants sort of holding the, uh, you know, well, and by the way, what if the Giants take Bradley Chubb at two? I, take Barkley? I think they will. What if the Giants, Giants aren't going to take Chubb? Yeah. You know, it, they're not going to go QB. Yeah. yeah. I, know, you know, I, th- I, I think, don't, I think, I think, I think, I think the Giants yeah, are just, I think, sorry, I think the Giants are just taking Bradley Chubb. Like, I think that's what they want to do and they're just going to do it. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I, I just think there's so much buzz on the Saquon Barkley stuff. To the Giants, you know, and maybe it's mostly coming from Saquon's camp with the whole Rock Nation thing. Yeah. And the fact that he's wearing a jet, a Giants like hoodie and stuff, like maybe that's, that's part of it. But I, I think that I, I think Chubb makes more sense for them, frankly, especially with JPP gone and, and, and they traded him away. So I don't know, man. This damn thing is going to be so fascinating to me. I don't know what the Browns are going to do. Um, picks one and two are going to set this thing on fire yeah. because it could go either way. And, you know, if the Browns take Josh Allen, then, then maybe the Giants take Sam Darnold. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just think it could go a variety of ways. And, and whatever happens at one, it's going to be crazy because I think the Giants will then have a decision to make if, if the quarterback they like is there. Or, you know, what do they do? Do they take the best player on their board? Or is there something crazy that happens like Buffalo trading up to two to try and get their quarterback? Yeah. Try to get ahead of the Jets, you know? It's, it, no, it, this, this, this whole draft promises to be just absolutely insane from start to finish. Yeah. I, I'm curious, what do you, what do you, do you trust Hugh Jackson to coach whatever quarterback, whether it's Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, whoever it is, do you trust Hugh Jackson to coach him correctly in 2018? Um, boy, that's a great question. I would say, no, because he hasn't proven it in Cleveland. If I just said, said yes, I'd sound like a fool because right. the team's won one game in two seasons and the quarterbacks have been an absolute disaster. Uh, and his evaluation of quarterbacks has been a disaster too with Cody Kessler and Robert Griffin III and, you know, Kevin Hogan and Brock Osweiler and these guys who were, were here. So not that Osweiler was his pick, but, um, but no, I, I, I'd, be, uh, I'd be concerned, you know, but the good news is, they do have a new coach, and Ben Zampese is going to be here uh, working with quarterbacks as well. Uh, you're going to have Todd Haley's fingerprints all over this deal, and he's worked with Ben Roethlisberger for three years. Uh, so I guess the hope is that maybe Hugh Jackson, when not being asked to do so much, like call plays, put the offense in, do everything, maybe he'll be able to kind of get back to his roots when you know when he was just a quarterback coach and worked with Andy Dalton. Uh, in Cincinnati, that's important in his time elsewhere around the league. I mean, when he was strictly a quarterback coach, he was a TV coach for Joe Flacco, too, you know, when, they, when they were good. So maybe Hugh Jackson's got that in him, and he just hasn't been able to 
sort of be his big self because he's been so busy with other stuff. But that's the only reason I can have any faith in it. That's that's a good. I mean, that's a good answer. Not. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that we're making excuses for Hugh Jackson because. I mean, he is. He's won in thirty one. He's never won a game on a Sunday with the Browns. I mean, that's incredible. I know. And I know. but but it is it is interesting because I mean, it, look, you know it. I mean, this is this is true, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, uh, whether you work in an office somewhere. The more stuff you have on your plate, the harder it is to do one thing really well. And if you go from being a really good coordinator to being a head coach who doesn't want to hire a coordinator and who wants to be super hands on, um, you know, with with these guys, but also to man, you know, you're. I mean, you're dealing with Dorsey. You're dealing with ownership. You know, you're you're dealing with Sashi Brown. I, I mean, you know, that's a lot to deal with outside of just being a coach. And so you wonder if that hadn't worn on him a little bit. Uh, speaking of Sashi, is he getting enough credit for? Is, is, or I think he is getting enough credit right now. Is he going to? Can, is he going to? reap the benefits if the Browns come away with a big draft in terms of people are like, all right, you know, let's, let's, let's tip our cap in the, in the same way that they did to Sam Hankey when the Sixers started winning. No, no one's going to give, <laughs> I mean, there's a certain group of people that want to give Sashi Brown credit, but I mean, the guy was a terrible drafter. Yeah. I mean, he passed on Carson Wentz, man. So yeah, congratulations. You got all these picks and all this money. Um, but the team went one and 31, you alienated your fan base and you watched the team, you know, you pass, you pass on a guy like Carson Wentz and into Sean Watson and, and these guys go on to look like pretty good pros and they're injured. But, um, no, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to give him credit because people, people are going to look at regardless of what happens, you know, here, if Dorsey puts the right player, then Dorsey gets the credit, especially with the quarterback, you know, yeah. that's, that's the deal. Um, and, and maybe that's unfair. But Sashi did a horrendous job here. Nice guy, super nice guy. In over his head, took a job that you know anyone would take. If you're offered offered an opportunity to do that and make all this money and, and have this great opportunity. And so not not on his fault, but he wasn't qualified for the job. You know. Yeah, and the Browns I and mean, the picks the picks are a problem. Like it's just, you just couldn't. Yeah. yeah, I mean you you look at the the, the you know the move down to get. Uh, Corey Coleman, I understand the concept. Like I, I get the analytical approach, and I like the analytical approach to you put more, you know, you know, metaphorical bullets in your gun, and you're going to get more shots at, at hitting the target. You, draft, you drafted Cody Kessler in the third round. Yeah, that's a bad draft pick. Nobody I mean, thought a bad, that was good. It's yeah. a bad pick. Yeah, it was a really bad pick. And like I remember, I remember because I'm in the same room where I was. I think I was where I was watching the draft that year. I mean, that was one of those when it happened. You're like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, nobody was taking that guy there. You could have waited three more yeah. rounds. Um. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was going to go in the fifth or sixth round. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, from, uh, from a Dorsey perspective, what do you think about what he has done this offseason and how it sets the team up in 2018? Cause, I mean, to me, to, from a, you know, a 30,000 foot viewpoint, you know, looking from North Carolina down, I mean, you sort of, you know, you see, I see a team, if they say the Browns win total at four and a half again this year, I like the over. Even though I don't love Jarvis Landry and I don't love the contract. I'm high on Tyrod Taylor, but clearly he's not the long-term answer there. But I mean, it seems like there's enough pieces in place if they hit on the one and, on the one and the four and then get some good second round guys for this team to be competitive, right? Yeah. Well, remember pick number one is probably not going to play. Right. So that, that's not going to help you this year. Uh, but pick four is, pick four should be a big time stud player and I'm with you I think four and a half wins in Vegas is probably the right number I, I said 
as it stands right now before we see what this draft does and where, you know, things shakes out and everything, I probably have them at like five, six wins. But that's not to say that things go really, really well and Tyrod plays out of his mind. Josh Gordon plays really well. And, you know, Carlos Hyde is, is a bell cow running back and gets back to where he was, or at least what we thought he was going to be coming out of Ohio State. Uh, I think there's potential for sure, for sure for this team to, to be a seven-win team or a 500 club from a team that didn't win a game a season ago, which is pretty wild. Yeah. But with that being said, there's still a lot of question marks. I could see, you know, Greg Williams in his defense. Um, you know, he was stubborn last year at times. So like, I, yeah, I mean, they got, they got a lot of issues, but they've got, they've got some talent on the team finally. And the most important thing you hit on there was Tyrod Taylor. And, and Taylor was, I thought a great acquisition for the Browns. Some people thought it was too high. Uh, to give up that third round pick to get Taylor, but I don't think so because I've been around this team for nearly eight years, uh, covering them, working for them, and seeing just that losing culture and that mentality that's in that building. And the reason it's been that way is because they've had no stability at the position. The only time things were sort of okay was when Brian Hoyer was the quarterback in 2014 and the team was seven and four. But the problem then was you had Josh Gordon coming back in the mix, you had Johnny Mandel on the team. And that's not to say that, you know, things, things still could have went bad because Hoyer's, he's, he's not a, not a great starting quarterback, but he's good enough, serviceable. And that team had a chance to sort of change that culture and, and get things turned around. And it just went south because then people get fired. Then Ray Farmer gets fired. And then we get Sashi Brown. And then we get all this other new stuff. So, um, having Tyrod, it's going to bring great leadership to the position. It's going to help the young guy. They got Drew Stanton in there too. So. They're going to win some games. Like Tyrod's a quarterback that will win you some football games. Now, I don't know what his, what his ceiling is. Is it what he was in Buffalo, you know, throwing for, you know, 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns and six picks, which that's going to win you some games? Or is it, is it greater than that? Is he get a guy that can throw for 4,000 yards and, you know, 25 touchdowns and, you know, maybe a few more picks? But I don't know. It depends what, what the Browns decide to do. I mean, he's going to have better playmakers here at receiver with Landry, Gordon, and, and Joku. Uh, and Seth DeVal, too, they're other tight ends. So they, I mean, they've got some guys that throw the football, too, certainly better than, I think, what they had in Buffalo, but you won't have LaShawn McCoy either. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I definitely love the Tyrod thing, and I, I think the Browns right now, before this draft, are probably, I'd peg them to win five, six games. I like it. That's optimistic. The the Tyrod thing, yeah. too, it, re, um, it reminds me, I, th- I, I think it reminds me a ton of what Dorsey did. And, and granted, this is with Andy Reid, but in Kansas City, you, you go out and you, you give up, you overpay in the public's eye for a mobile veteran quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over and is more athletic than people give him credit for. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is a slightly poor, like a, a little poorer man's version of, of Alex Smith. And you can, yeah. you can, again, like you're right, it gives you that floor for stable quarterback play and for an ability to win foot. It gives you the, the ability to not crap the bed every week. And like you can go out, you go out there and be professional and you can win a couple, you can win a couple more games than you would because you have stability at that position. And I think that's, yeah, that's part of the problem too is you can't just have a, you can't just have a losing culture. Like you can't tank and tank and tank and tank and then expect the guys yeah. who grew up tanking to magically flip a switch and just start winning all of a sudden. Exactly right. And that's why it, there's no price too high that you go get that, that guy. And Tyrod's perfect because. And he's going to play this year. His contract's heavy. It's 
15 million or whatever it is, and there's a free agent after next year, and, or there's a team option, I think. Um, so he can walk, and then he will walk it unless he wins 10 games and the Browns go to playoffs. You know, that's the only way that you know I could see him back as a, as a quarterback the Browns in 2019. But, you know, Tyrod. He's, I, I think he's going to start every game this year for the Browns and allow that rookie to sit. He should. Now, yeah, he was right. But let's say this. Let's say that the rookie quarterback comes in. Let's say they draft Baker Mayfield. Let's say they go with your, our guy and they draft Baker. And Baker's 23 years old. You know, he played a lot of college football. And he comes in and fits this off, offense. Todd Haley and puts in stuff that really, really um, suits this kid. And he plays great. And he's, he's so much better than Tyrod Taylor on campus. You just like, you gotta play him. It's like the Russell Wilson thing all yep. over again as a rookie. Then you play him. And you're like, well, okay. Then if Tyrod Taylor never plays a snap because the rookie's so damn good, then I'd still give up the third round pick. Yeah. I, I'd give it, I'd give it over every time because it's, it's still, it's, it, you didn't know that that was going to happen. You were planning on Tyrod playing every game this year. But if the rookie comes in, and exceeds expectations tenfold. And what are you supposed to do? You're going to say, well, no, we got to play Tyrod to get a third round pick. No, you're going to say, no, Tyrod's here. We've got an emergency, emergency situation and we're going to play the rookie because he's so damn good. And the Browns are, they're going to go in a bunch of football games. How, how, how many times do people sit around and complain about the money the Seahawks gave to Matt Flynn? <laughs> like, never, never, never right. now. I mean, they did yeah. it at the time. They're like, what? You're going to play Russell? I mean, you're paying Matt Flynn 10 million here. Yeah. Like, but shop. Yeah, yeah. Like if you watched Russell Wilson, he looks incredible. Do you think that Baker is more Russell or more Drew Brees? If we're doing the short quarterback he's, comparison, he's Brees. He's not nearly as athletic as Russell Wilson. No, he's not. Uh, you know, he's got to he's got to be like Brees. And we talked to, I think it was Dilfer came on my show about a week or so ago, and we talked about uh, Baker and and how he's a, he's a perfect West Coast guy. You know, he's got to got to have the football in his hands. Uh, got excuse me, got to get the football out of his hands quick. Yeah, you know these quick throws. He's really good with angles. He's got to have. He's short. He's he's over six foot, but he's not much over six foot, which means he's got to find these windows to be able to kind of get these foot get the football through these passing lanes. And Breeze is so good at that. That's why I think that's a comparison. But also to that point, if he's going to be like Breeze, then he's got to learn to be like Breeze instead of trying to be so improvisational at times and. You know, trying to outrun, extend plays, because he'll he'll learn real quick that 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 stuff's not going to fly in the NFL. Maybe it flies in the Big Twelve when you got you know receivers running scot free down the field and you know wide open with these DBs and zone coverage running close. But in the league, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be a lot a lot tougher for him. Decisions are going to have to be made a lot faster, and um, and that football is going to have to come out a lot quicker too. Yeah, the thing that gets me about the 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 people complaining about they're like, well, you know, he's got all these open throws. He's not playing in a pro style offense. It's like, I hate to break it to you, but pro-style offenses in 2018 create open throws for their quarterbacks. Look at, look at, mm-hmm. look at Jared Goff and Sean McVay. And I mean, I get yeah. people worried McVay's in his headset up to 15 seconds left or whatever. I mean, who cares? Like the, he's giving him easily defined reads and utilizing yep. his offense to let this guy be a point guard and, and to execute the throw. And then you grow into the offense as you're, as you're playing well. And then you can continue to develop. I mean, it, that's the key, right? I mean, you just have to create an for him. We do, and, and listen, look at the Bowl and a lot of the concepts that Philadelphia won with, and then some yep. here on Saturday. And there's a reason why a lot of NFL teams are, are spending time with Lincoln Riley, the head coach of Oklahoma, and trying to pick his brain about certain things they can do, because that's sort of where the game's going. And if you're going to have quarterbacks that are coming in the league now 
that are not just pro style guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, they're not statues, then we got to adapt as a, as a game, as a league, and try to figure out, well, if it's working at college, there's certain aspects of that that can work in the NFL. And if the, if the NFL coaches will be so, won't be so reluctant to accept it and try to try to adapt a little bit, then you'll see more of it. You know, we saw some of that with the running quarterback, like when there was that whole RG3, Colin Kaepernick thing for a couple of years and it worked out. But we, the one thing we saw with that is you just can't risk your quarterback getting hurt. And, and that's, that's why that, that thing sort of went away quick. But the RPO stuff, you know, the quick reads, you know, that's, that's not going to go anywhere. That's going to, that's going to continue to be in the NFL. You're going to see a lot more of that as we go. And, and that's why I think whoever drafts Baker Mayfield, they're going to have to use some of these concepts. This is not a guy you want to put on our center front play action pass with. I mean, you're going to want to, you're going to want to put him in the gun and let him just slug football, which is what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And it, anybody who drafts a quarterback not planning to cater to their, their, what they do is, yeah. is, is foolish. I want to, I want to ask you before, yeah. I don't want to spend the entire time, a couple more minutes if you don't mind, but the David and Joku, you mentioned him. I, I mean, everybody loves it, loved him coming out of Miami. High upside guy, flashed on some downfield stuff that still looked raw last year. Do you think he makes any sort of big leap in 2018? Uh, I do. He'll have much better quarterback play. That's part one. You know, guys always make their biggest leap, I think, in their, their uh, careers from year one to year two. You become more comfortable just in your own skin. You understand what an NFL team is. Or what it's like to be in the NFL, I should say. You understand how to prepare. Um, he was very raw. This is a guy who really hasn't played a whole lot of tight end. And he didn't really start in college. I mean, he caught a lot of passes, but he wasn't like the every down tight end. Um, so he's, he's going to continue to grow. But he's so talented. Just a freak, raw athlete that I do. I think that he could become a stud in this league. And, and um, you know, you saw glimpses of it at times last year. He had a few touchdowns that were, were great plays. He's got great speed. He runs like a wideout. He's got pretty good hands, and he can jump out the gym. So, I mean, you see this guy with his shirt off. You're like, oh, my God. God just made this guy to, you know, go catch passes and dunk on dudes in the end zone. So that's sort of what he is, man. And, yeah, I think he could be a big-time player in this league, and, and I expect big things from him. I know Browns fans do, for sure, for uh, David Joker this year. What did you think about the Jarvis Landry contract? You know, I didn't get it at first. I, I thought, what's the what's the uh, advantage of signing him so early? Yeah. When you don't have to, you don't have. I mean, you could play him. He, he's under contract this year, you know. And even if Landry had some monster year, what you offered him was on the high end. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, unless you thought the guy like was going to walk away, but there's no one else paying what you were going to pay him. So I just didn't get it. Obviously, it means more to the Browns to make him happy. Because they're trying to, to set this culture and try to you know show that hey, we're gonna take care of guys and you know they they wanted to I don't know I guess in good faith you know honor what they told him when they traded for him but you know I, you got a guy who's played his whole career in Miami he's gonna come to Cleveland for the first time ever and mm. uh, it's the biggest contract he's ever had you know there's uh, there's risk with that and and I would have uh, sort of would have slow played it you know or even slow played it through the summer I mean you had it till. I think July 11th or something, whatever, and you know you could have paid him July 15th, summer and let him, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could you could have just said, hey, let's go through OTAs, you know, see how things go, see how he fits in the offense. What are we going to do with this guy, and see how he, you know, responds to young players and Josh Gordon. I mean, I don't know what's the harm in that. 
Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Um, we'll get you out of here on this. You have do you, how many children? How many kids do you have? Two. You have two. Uh, and don't you? Oh, don't or you? Have, I have a four year old. Don't you have something in the range of like? Do you have? I have a eight year old daughter and a five year old son. Okay, five year old son. Perfect wheelhouse. Who is your favorite member of the Paw Patrol? Man, I'll be I'll be quite frank with you. No Paw Patrol and guy. This is, this is, the, the kids watch sometimes, but I'm not. I'm not that in the. I'm not in Paw Patrol. Good for you. All right, I'm what's not, your what's your least favorite kids cartoon? My least favorite kids cartoon. Oh, uh, I mean, probably Thomas. That's it. It's just a boring show. <laughs> Thomas the Train. No upset. What a boring show that is. Yeah. You know, my son loves that stupid show, but um, my daughter likes the show on uh, Disney XD. What is this? Uh, Gravity Falls. You ever watch that show? No, huh? My, I mean, we're we're pretty big Nick. We're Nick here. We watch some um, a lot of Lion Guard, but but mostly Paw okay. Patrol and stuff. Yeah, Lion Guard's good. Lion Guard's good. It's not That's bad. A good show. Yeah. Not bad. It's fine. No, fine. I mean, it's, it's fine. No, we watched. Um, yeah, there, you know, we, we, have you seen Jumanji yet? The new Jumanji. No, is it good? Are you gonna watch that? Okay. I mean, it's. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. My five year old loved it. Can I can I tell you something that I, I mean it's not yeah. a, it's not embarrassing but I mean I think that Trolls is a good movie is that is that a I haven't seen it oh man I, seen it. Uh, I, I think I mean like I think it would be Wheelhouse eight year old daughter it's pretty good it's got a uh, Justin Timberlake probably, probably would be yeah it's it's yeah. and the songs are actually pretty entertaining um, she's sort of obsessed with John Cena these days which is kind of weird because wow. this guy's a wrestler but I mean <laughs> wow. he was Ferdinand the Bull and he was like he hosted the Kids Choice Awards that's on right. Nickelodeon so right. it's a big deal. My, uh, my, Robbie saw uh, Ferdinand with his grandmother at the uh, movie theater and loved it. That's a good show. All right. Um, <laughs> that's our, that's our kids, our, uh, our, our kids' cartoons. I like, I like talking kids' cartoons. It, you know, it eases out of the, 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 the heavy draft talk. NFL draft coming up on Thursday night. Dustin Fox writes for The Athletic Cleveland, Bull and Fox Daily on 92.3. You also call college games, right? Yep. Yeah. I did. I, I called a, a Bradley Shirt game this year. Oh, uh, the Marshall right. game down at NC State. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, uh, if you call an NC State game next year, hit me up, and we'll uh, we'll we'll grab. I, I will. We'll I did, grab I did a couple ACC games last year, so I was uh, around a little bit. But uh, we'll see what happens this fall. All right, man. Awesome stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Dustin Fox thirty seven. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks, Will. Appreciate it.